Welcome to this Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us. Here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. So welcome, Kathy. I'm very excited to have you on our Women in Safety podcast. Thank you for joining us. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Tamara. So some people in our audience might know who you are, Kathy, and some people might not. I know that the topic we're going to be um, chatting about is ESG and human capital. And I'm not even going to try to explain it. I'm going to leave that up into our, our discussion today. But before we started, can you just give like a, a, a little bit about who you are and what you do for our audience? Oh, absolutely. Um, thanks for that opportunity. Um, my background is um, started in chemistry, ended up understanding risk and how to manage risk uh, in my career, working with multinational companies uh, literally across the world. Um, my world is about identification, assessment, measurement, looking at ways to manage um, health, safety, and well-being uh, for companies and really assisting them as a trusted advisor. I mean, that's what I do today. I'm an influencer. I'm somebody that really tries to work with the company where they are, understanding their business environment, their reality, in order to understand why people are so important and why the environment and managing environmental impacts are so important. So my background, you know, spans many years. Um, uh, involvement in ISO 45001 as a U.S. delegate. Um, I'm part of the National Academies of Science, uh, working on the risk profile in the Gulf of Mexico, post Macondo. Um, I am very, uh, very active in uh, the world of this concept of ESG sustainability and human capital. I've been uh, the, the former chair of the Center for Safety and Health Sustainability, which is where we said that at the end of the day, how can you be a sustainable company when you have 42, and that was part of our research, 42 uh, different um, fatalities um, across your company, and you are considered one of the world's 100 most sustainable companies. So we set out to change that and change that criteria. Um, so I was part of that. And right now I co-chair the, it's the um, human capital and occupational health and safety. It's a project group uh, spearheaded by the Capitals Coalition, which is a global entity uh, nonprofit that is looking to really create value around health and safety. In our case, in this whole world of human capital and this are the world that majority of the world uh, lives in, in capitalism. And we're gonna to talk today about stakeholder capitalism, which is starting to tie some of this together and be a true driver of ESG, which I'm gonna talk about in a minute, ESG sustainability and human capital. Yeah, and that's where I'd like to kind of kick it off is to kind of really just break it down for those who are listening with us today to really understand what is ESG and what is human capital? Because to for, for a lot of it, it's new terminology and it's just concepts that we're not familiar with. So I'll leave it to you to share that a little bit. 
Excellent. Um, thank you for that. This is, as you know, is one of my favorite topics because it's so real and so relevant uh, for every safety and health professional that is going to be listening to this podcast. So when we think of ESG, so that's just terminology that the investment community um, relates with, and it's ESG impact. So that means environmental, that means social, and that means governance impacts that a company has on all its stakeholders. So when we think of environmental, you know, right now in the world, it's about decarbonization, it's about biodiversity, it's about greenhouse gas emissions. In, in our world, many of us um, also day-to-day uh, -day manage the environmental impacts in our company. So any kind of air emissions, um, but also looking at uh, waste, uh, looking at water and water use. So it's this idea of what impacts an organization has, right? So that's the environment. And frankly, that's what's getting all the press right now. And we'll talk about later. Um, but there's also the social side. And what the social side means it's about relationships, and I think this is the easiest way for us to put our head around what the social uh, part of um, uh, ESG or sustainability, because each one of these are a component of a sustainability. So the social side um, and the social impacts of um, this world basically includes relationships with your customers, relationships with your employees, with your workers, with your suppliers, with government, uh, with your investors, if you're publicly traded. And if you're a privately owned company and you're looking for a merger or acquisition um, and you are creating debt in your company, those investors apply to you as well. Um, and then communities and society in general. So how does this all fit together um, and what kind of impacts your company has? And let me give you just a really simple example. Um, when we think about the social side, when we think about people, employees working in a company, right now the world has just been blown apart, right? We are in a VUCA world, it's volatile. It's a world where it's uncertain, it's complex and it's ambiguous. And if we don't know that in terms of COVID-19, You've been in a rock, under, under a rock for a very long time, the past two and a half years. Um, but that has created a world of work that has completely changed. And we are never going back, no matter what anyone wants to say about going back to normal or even new normal. We and the world continues to change. And that's what this VUCA concept is all about. So when we think about workers, we think about employees, the world has changed. And in terms of the social contract between the employer and between the employee has also changed. And it, we can see it both in, in, in many parts of the, um, the Western world, specifically in Canada, uh, UK and the United States, where the, the pay wages pay, pay wages are actually rising. Um, and that's because of competition. That's because of the lack of workers. So um, shortage of labor. Um, we see this in our supply chains. If you're trying to buy a new car or you're trying to um, purchase anything that requires lithium, which is required for batteries um, or some of the uh, metals that are required for um, a lot of our technology, you can't get it. Um, and this ties in this concept of what kind of impact the company has not only on their people, their health, yeah. their safety, and their well-being, but also what dependencies do they have on their people and these shortages and the lack of the ability to actually have a product or service or provide the service for your customer impacts all these different stakeholders, which we'll get, I'm sure, get to talk to in just a few minutes. But the government side 
I think is really important. And most health and safety people are, we're really, we don't get many cases unless you're at the highest levels to the real core of what governance is. So if I break it down, government governance, if we think about how we manage the risk for safety, health and, and um, environment, that is governance. It's the actual mechanisms in which risk, and this could be business risk, could be financial, could be health, safety, could be quality, it could be asset management. It's how does an organization actually manage their risk? So think about this. This is in our DNA of understanding governance because we do this when we integrate management systems, safety and health management systems. That is a governance process, if you will, just breaking it down, trying to make yep. it simplify in our world um, of, of how we um, actually contribute to the governance of managing risk in the organization. So if I blow that up just a little bit further and talk about other points of governance, mm -hmm. that, that can include crisis management which we tend to get involved in as safety and health professionals. But that also includes assuring that um, corruption doesn't happen in, in, in the organization, wherever they are in the world. And that means having proper policies, codes right. of conduct. Um, how do they work with their suppliers um, on the board? Do they have an inclusive board? All of those things are considered part of governance. And there's many, many other things. And um, Tomorrow, you and I talk that um, I'll be supplying some um, some resource links that will help people um, understand a more broader because there's a lot more examples. Oh yeah, but we just wanted to kind of touch base so, and kind of give a perspective. So if we were to give this in a nutshell, what we had is the environmental, social, and governance. And for the environmental, it's really about how is our company impacting the environments that it's um, touching. It has touch points with. So when we're looking at social, it's about relationships. And so we're looking at the social impacts our company, our organization has on its customers, on its employees, on different stakeholders and contractors, as well as the community that comes in touch with that organization. And when we're talking about governments, it's really how does our organization manage risks is that correct? Am I getting that right? Two things you have to add because it, it's we okay. need to blow things up. So it impacts the company has on ESG. Yes, you're absolutely yeah. spot on. Yeah. It's also what dependencies do they have that? Because at okay. the end, end of the day, we're looking at what value does managing these environmental, social, and governance impacts have on company. So it's not just what does a company do but also those, um, uh, those, those aspects, environmental, social governance, what dependencies does a company have on those um, impacts? Okay. Okay. So I'd like to move us into kind of understanding human capital. Can you share with us off the top, what is human capital? What is this concept? So when you think of capitals, so you got to think of capitalism. And that's the world we live in, at least in the Western part of the world. Um, and to understand this terminology, the financial world looks at the concept of human capital. So there's five, six different capitals that create value in a company and the investment community and financial community look at that and determine whether they're going to purchase those assets or invest in the company. So human capital, 
in addition to manufacturing capital, intellectual capital, um, natural capital, human capital, and social capital, and we'll talk about human capital, are all part of capitalism, right? They create value for a company. So when we think of human capital, we're thinking of people. And so, you know, don't look at this as inhuman or inhumane. It's just, you know, another word for people working in organizations. And when we talk about people, the investment community typically talks today about employees, but that notion is expanding to workers, meaning workers in supply chains, um, workers in your entire value chain. So human capital basically is those skills, those knowledge, the abilities, the capabilities of the people working in an organization that actually help to provide um, innovation, creativity, productivity in order to impact the performance of a company. So in a nutshell, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because that's why we're here, we're learning about this, is human capital is we're looking at the people in the organization and what they're contributing as far as skills, knowledge, experience, training, et cetera, in order to invest in the organization and make it succeed. Am I getting that right? So if you have that notion of human capital, if you have those people that are a able to contribute, are able to um, be creative, right? New products, new services, be innovative and be productive. That impacts the performance of your company. All of those things come together to create better performance. It's not just getting widgets out the door, right? It's creating new widgets that are much more exciting to your customers um, and that are going to increase your market share. That are going to be um, interesting from an investor perspective, right? Because they're the ones that the shareholders are the ones that determine whether or not you're going to continue in business long-term. And in my research, when I, I was looking into this, there's actually different types of human capital. Do, are you, can you share what they may be talking about when they were talking about different types of human capital? So I, I'm not sure you know, where, where you read, but when you think about human capital, it's really what I've been explaining. So these various aspects, if you will, of human capital. So creating innovation, um, looking at, um, productivity um, results based on a company's care and feeding, for lack of a better word, but how they engage, right? How they look after their people. And this notion of human capital is something that is really starting to evolve. And part of this is because of ESG, environmental, social, and governance. And you think about people and human capital in an organization, and that falls underneath the social aspect um, and the social aspect and impacts and dependencies uh, around um, ESG. So it really does all come together. And when we think about this in the context of sustainability, it's looking at an organization that can be sustainable over time. So if you're taking care of your people, your people are going to take care of your company. And that's, that's really the notion of those. I, it's like there's really one concept of human capital, but there's different aspects that create value that impact positive performance uh, for your company. Hopefully that was helpful. It was. And can you share maybe some examples of how does human capital affect organizations? 
Absolutely. Um, let's just let's break down this pandemic a little bit more, right? Um, the world has changed. The world of work has changed, and today, because of the pandemic, um, in workplaces, we're talking about mental health. And before that, at least I, I think Canada is better. Um, but at least in the United States, not at all. Um, UK, Europe, yes, much more. Um, but now, in all companies. We're talking about mental health because people are working remotely. And so therefore that is impacting them on many, many different ways. Um, not just their work, which is what it was before. So production and things like that, but also they're having to manage their, their children at work at school. Um, home, not literally not homeschooling, but homeschooling. Um, and, and but making sure that the technology is working in their house, the Wi-Fi, this whole virtual contactless world um, is changing. So that that is like one aspect is mental health. And we've 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 even in the grand scheme tomorrow, in the grand scheme. The idea of health really has never been at the forefront. It's always been safety, but now health right, and mental health, both physical and mental health are really coming to the forefront. So I would say that that from the pandemic is, is a really important change. Um, in yeah. Terms of yeah, because it, it, that's gonna be really impacting um, how people are capable of doing their jobs. Exactly. Both socially, um, emotionally, right, yeah. as well as building your knowledge. Because we're not doing those things like we we were before. Yes, it's a concept of being fit for work, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But fit for work isn't just physical anymore; it's also you know mental, mental well being. And you know that's it. Another piece that has really come into the fore yeah. is the concept of well being. And if I could just take a second here, um, the concept of well being is not just the absence of disease. It is truly fulfillment. Um, and so when we talk about this world of work that has changed and this concept of remote working, mm -hmm. um, just an example of this was um, a group of software um, workers for uh, Apple. Yeah. Uh, when Tim Cook, CEO of Apple said, um, we know that you want to come back to work. And so we're gonna open up the workplace for three days a week and a group of 80, of uh, some of Apple's top performers got together and said, Tim Cook, we want you to understand that um, we have been productive for yeah. a year in a pandemic. We have, we have learned to manage our work um, life balance and we don't wanna go back to that. We want that balance. We wanna to continue to have that balance. Um, and you know, things kind of progressed and um, the, in terms of Apple, people are working from home. Um, yeah. And that this, every workplace is really experiencing this, both in the, you know, the ups and downs of the coronavirus um, and, and, and it's, um, you know, it, it's impacts on, on people. So, I mean, that's, that's another area where, you know, this concept of, you know, workers, employees really do have the upper hand. Um, and this is part of why ESG is important and why the um, various stakeholders are looking um, because it impacts all of us as consumers and um, if, if you're a B2B uh, customer. And it, I mean, really, um, I think in the long term, it's going to increase the, the quality and value of the human capital when people do um, have a sense that they have more balance, that they're more, they're appreciated 
for what they're bringing to the table. I think we're seeing a shift in a new era of the workforce because people are being more candid, they're being more transparent, they're actually um, wanting to improve their emotional being, right? So that in turn will have people re-energized to be more productive. Absolutely. And innovative, right? And innovative. Yeah. At the end of the day for business, you know, tying it back to the people with the business, businesses won't survive unless they have innovation. Um, right. Examples, right? Like Kodak. Yeah. You know, yep. if you don't innovate, you basically are, are going to be obsoleted. Yeah, well, and it's it's creating a workforce that has a space where they feel they can be more creative. And also people are leaving companies where they they weren't getting that satisfaction. And I think that was a wake up call. They're calling it what the great resignation. Right. And that's because those companies weren't valuing their human capital. Yes. But the but the thing that has changed is the fact that because there's a labor shortage, that means, you know, that law of supply and demand. So that's why the um, workers employees have an upper hand. So they actually can find better work. Mm -hmm. And so therefore that the talent, um, the talent wars are on. And so, you know, companies are really focused on how, what are we doing for our people? How is human capital the key to a successful um, ESG strategy? I think it's important to break it down, even Mm -hmm. though all integrated, everything, ES and G, all are integrated. If you don't have good governance, you're not going to be able to have a good strategy and plan for environment or for relationships or your people. So I want to just state that it's all integrated. Um, But when we talk about people, can't do any of this without people. So there's a KPMG study that just came out the end of last year. I think it was August, September of, of, of last year. And in this, they really tied, because right now everything's about the environment. You know, what are you doing to identify, you know, um, identify, assess, manage, and measure? And what's happening is you can't do this without the people. The people are the mm-hmm. decision makers. Um, the people actually, which I thought this um, out, output of the report was really interesting because I'm such an organizational change person. That's what I do in companies. I go in and figure out how best to get things moved in the direction that the organization wants to move in and safety, health, and environmental from my perspective. But one of the things that um, this study came out with was that people are going to be the greatest resistors of this change, of energy transition, Mm -hmm. of moving towards decarbonization, which is part of the energy transition, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, because there's such a move in this VUCA world to technology. AI taking over. And in this move, there is concern by people, uh, um, organizations, human capital, um, that they're not going to have a place in it. So part of this is in this whole world of ESG. And so one of the strategies is to make sure that people are taken care of is to involve them. And my, my, my favorite word and the best word that any organization can get in their DNA is engagement, getting Mm -hmm. people involved in the decision-making and many companies kind of freak out. They're like, well, they don't have the knowledge, skills, and abilities. And I'm like, yes, they do. And they do because they're the ones with boots on the ground, they are doing the work and they know the best way, the most productive way to work. They also know how to bypass all of those 
guards and things like that because mm -hmm. they don't allow them to be productive. So if you get their input, they can be part of this change. They can see that they actually will have a place. It might require some upskilling, right? Yep. Some retraining, but there will be a place. And then bigger picture for that individual with this upskilling, with this retraining, they might not need to stay with their company. They have just built out themselves as a greater capital, a human mm -hmm. capital for anywhere they want to go. So opportunities for them are also created. But unless we start having these conversations and it can be in the frame of ESG yeah. or not. And this is really important because they're not mutually exclusive. Um, they, they can come together, but they can also, I mean, you've got a whole world in human resources that's all around human capital management. They just call it talent management instead, yeah. right? Because that's that stakeholder lens. So you can see how there's that interconnectivity, there's that linkage, um, but it's, I mean, it's an essential part of ESG. And if you were to be, um, allow yourself to break out of that mindset that other people don't have the knowledge and experience, then you're moving towards, you know, creating that workplace because people trust each other, they respect each other, they understand um, if, if I go out of my own little circle, I can actually get people with deeper knowledge in certain areas that they can then make things more robust. Because a lot of times the people that aren't being in the conversation they they become that goes back to the emotional piece right yes. because they become resentful that they're viewed as lesser than spot on that's absolutely spot on you know and tomorrow one of the things we haven't really brought into that human capital mm -hmm. discussion is concepts of inclusion and diversity equity yeah. inclusion um wages living wages i mean depending on where you are on the economics but but having proper wages for the yeah. work that's being done um, and then we, because we've really focused, because our audience is health, safety, and well-being, but there are other aspects of human capital, as you're touching on, yeah. that are equally um, as important and, frankly, are being more focused upon uh, by some of the stakeholders. But at the end of the day, you know, people are at the core of every thriving business, yep. and if they're not safe. They don't feel, they are not healthy, and they don't have a sense of well-being, um, mental health and physical health. They're not going to be able to contribute, as we've been saying all along, to that bottom line, to that yeah. performance. So um, I don't know. I always say, you know, people are the glue that sticks on all of this. They're the decision makers. Well, and if, if like what you were saying with governance is how we manage health and safety, how are we managing risk? If we're doing it in a bubble, then we're not going to be able to identify what the risks are and the the key thing also that needs to be brought into the discussion, Kathy, is that as health and safety professionals, we're supposed to be eliminating first and then mitigating. And so if we have those different stakeholders in the conversation, they could actually help identify, like if you've got the individual who's doing the work with the designer and they're having a conversation, just think about just even the setup of a workplace could be done so differently. Like, and I'm thinking about that at the, the commercial level in a retail store where the staff are saying, why would anybody design it this way, right? Of course we need to wear PPE to clean the oven because they're choosing ovens that need harsh chemicals. Why can't we get an oven that's self-cleaning? Exactly. 
right? And that's yes. And then when you go up and you talk to to the the people who source stuff and say, well, is it possible to get a uh, something like a self cleaning oven? They're like, oh yeah, that's possible. We can get that. So it's again, you know, getting those brains together, right? Yes, eliminate. And you touched perfect examples because you're that's engagement one on one, right? Um, and then when you take that and you create policies that are based yeah. on right the input of those people, and I'll give you a great example. I'm working in the steel industry. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., we have this. Um, well, they, they're called it's the Voluntary Protection Program, but this idea of like risk. And each types of hazards or risks in an organization, there were teams created in this particular company. And so they had 100% of their people involved in one of these teams. Oh, great. Yeah. So there was a team around um, crane, crane safety. There were teams around ergonomics. There were teams around industrial hygiene. There were teams around uh, workforce um, violence. I think there's like 30 plus different teams yeah. and they did just exactly what you were talking about. So these teams actually were um, each one of the teams determined what the policy was going to be around that particular hazard or risk um, right. in the organization. And um, there was a team around uh, conducting audits, um, what the policy was going to be, who would be involved and um, what would they do, you know, with the findings and that kind of thing? And then they actually developed inspection check sheets, yep. they, uh, uh, audit questions and things, not for them to do, but for the auditors and the people um, in, in the various departments to actually use those inspection sheets. Point being, they were also given carte blanche to be able to go and actually do research. So they'd go to the the regulators, they'd go to best practice companies to find out what are their ergo practices. Um, And so to your point, um, whether it's boots on the ground or whether it's policy development, it's having those people involved because, you know, as you said, they are the ones that know how to do the work well and most productive and safe. So it's using your human capital to work smarter, not harder. Yeah, I love it. That's exactly right. That's nice. So the next area I wanted to kind of dive into is, you know, why is ESG and human capital so important to our company, to the stakeholders, to our teams? Can you break that open for us? Absolutely. Um, And I'm going to go reverse order. Um, For safety and health professionals, we need to know the business environment in which we're operating. At the end of the day, if we know what our business leaders are thinking, we can align all of our strategies with the business. Um, purpose, which we haven't talked at all about, but what the purpose of a company is, um, what are the goals and objectives, right? What's their end game? And everything we do in terms of safety, health, and environmental management needs to align with that. We need to align with that in order to get the budgets we need, right? If we're, we're, we need to um, um, uh, install a new ventilation system, we need to be talking about the health side of you know, our business and how will that impact the people? How will will that impact the environment, depending on what kind of scrubbers and whatnot are associated with those uh, ventilation systems? So all of this, if we can speak in the language of our leaders and the language of business and help them with that context, because we we are starting to understand the context, there won't even be any question. The budget, you know, you'll get what you need and probably ask, what else do you need? Um, So that's from our perspective. So when we talk about our teams, 
right? It's, it's we, when we, we talk about um, uh, innovation, we talk about uh, creativity, and we talk about the productivity, they are fulfilled in their work, and you get the best out of them. You get that discretionary energy. Uh, the research says that an employee gives about 80% to their job normally, um, but when they love their job, that discretionary energy that they decide that they're going to give could be 100%, 150%. So though that piece in terms of teams um, and in terms of us as health, safety, and environmental professionals, um, and we think about our companies and why is this important for them? It's important for them because the stakeholders are saying it's important. So customers want to work with companies that have a purpose. And when we say they have a purpose, companies that are focusing on these ESG impacts that we're talking about. And you'll hear um, Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock. Um, BlackRock is an, uh, most of their, their customers are um, institutional investors. So they're looking at long-term investments. Why is that important? Well, ESG is about long-term vision, purpose, strategy, and action planning. And so what BlackRock, and mind you, BlackRock is 10 trillion US dollars in assets under management. That's a big influencer in the markets, right? And that's global, um, but it's not just BlackRock. But Larry Fink, and every year he sends a letter to the CEOs and his letter just came out uh, literally last week. And in that letter, he talks about companies that manage their business and they focus on purpose. And in my Kathy Seabrook language, I talk about true north, which I'll tell you in just a second. But this concept of focusing on your purpose and purpose, including ESG impacts. So ma managing them, right? Identify Again, what we safety and health professionals know so well, identification, assessment, measurement, monitoring, management of ESG impacts of which safety, health, and environment are part of that. And if we begin to understand what our business leaders are saying that the stakeholders are asking for, customers' expectations, supplier expectations, there are suppliers that are also having to report into those investors on what they are doing. And one of the things is they want, remember the social side relationships, they want to have business relationships with companies that are on purpose. Now, in the CEO, letter, I thought it was very, very interesting because the C Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock, basically talks about that this is stakeholder capitalism. We're not doing this because, you know, we're environmentalists. We're doing this because in the world of capitalism, this makes sense. Well-run companies make sense. And for us as safety and health professionals, we know this because we know a management system, a well-run uh, operation that identifies and um, assesses and continually improves, right? Um, the risks, the risk profile, and to your point, Tamara, about eliminating those hazards, and they can get to that point. Um, those are well-run companies. And that's why this is so important to the business. It's important to the business leaders. It's important to us as safety and health professionals. And it's important to the teams, uh, the people in the organizations in which we are operating. So, so Kathy, you mentioned a, a letter that um, Larry Fink, is that correct, of BlackRock wrote. Can we dive a little bit deeper into that? Because I, I probably our audience isn't quite aware of it. And I'm going to put that on the um, episode 
page also so people can get to the link. But can you share with us what is that about and what's important about it? What should we be considering? Yes, um, this is the letter um, that comes out on an annual basis and it's Larry Fink who is the CEO of BlackRock and BlackRock is um, 10 trillion assets under management. So they have pretty, pretty good influence if you will in the markets around the world. Um, he writes these letters to the CEOs to let them know what the investment um, decisions that their company and the influencers and influences um, that they're going to be looking at as they determine what companies um, and what assets they want to own, this meaning BlackRock owning the assets. So why is this important is what we should be asking. And um, in my world, I've, I've really had to bridge the gap. I've had to really understand this concept of not just capitalism, but what do these markets mean? And how are these markets driving us, safety and health professionals? And how can we connect um, and bridge that gap from our knowledge to our business leaders in our companies and our organizations, their knowledge and their expectations and the stakeholders that are driving that knowledge and expectations. So in this CEO letter, uh, over the past three years, um, Larry Fink has been focused and BlackRock, it's not just Larry Fink, it's the company, the organization, um, has been focused on ESG, um, sustainability. And currently sustainability, the, the major focus of most of the markets is on environmental impacts. And that just is where we are right now today. But last year and this year, he talked about people. He talked about human capital specifically and talked about the impact of people on um, talent management on an organization in the, the areas that I've been talking about, um, human capital. So knowledge, skills, ability, um, creativity, innovation, the ability to be productive, all of those things and how they impact the performance, right? The actual well-being and performance of an organization, because that's what those investors are looking at. And they're not looking, um, in terms of Larry Fink's letter, they're not looking at short-term returns, which has been the markets forever, right? Um, for decades. Uh, it is now long-term. And his institutional investors are investing because they tend to be pension funds. Yeah. Um, they're investing for a long period of time for their um, the, the people that eventually will be pensioners. So in his work and in his letter, it's important for us to understand this is the business environment in which our leaders and our organizations are operating in. And that environment, just like everything in the VUCA world we've been talking about, mm -hmm. in this environment ever changing. So last year, more emphasis on environment. This year, same emphasis on environment, but also really pulling in the human capital and the social side um, and what we call social um, capital uh, for organizations to be not just looked at and just reported on, but how are they managing it? Yeah. How, right? What's the strategy? What are the risks? What are the opportunities um, for the organization? Hopefully and he also, doesn't he also call on um, saying that companies need to be clearer um, about how they're managing sustainability? And he, he brings in looking at like diversity in the workforce. He, he talks about um, understanding the company's role in the society at large as well. Like he really dives in to a so lot of areas. When we talk about human capital, 
These are the things that we've been talking about in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, looking at living wage um, and looking at wages in, in, in general, um, as well as looking at the health safety. And he, in his letter, talks about the concept of mental health. That yeah. just hasn't been in the discussion until the pandemic happened. Um, so again, yes, absolutely. Um, and also tying into this concept of purpose, yeah. right? And purpose in my world, um, it's true north. It's where you know people, their health, safety, and their well-being, and environmental impacts are all create. If they're well managed, they create value for the company. And in creating value, that impacts performance and also impacts your um, stakeholders. And again, it's all stakeholders, not just shareholders. Yeah. That that's the other point. That over the past couple of years, um, the U.S. Business Roundtable. Um, right. as which is 181 CEOs um, in, 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 in global companies, so the, throughout the world, basically said that we need to be looking at all of our stakeholders, not yeah. just yeah. our shareholders. And that is the purpose of a company's purpose, meaning um, value for your stakeholders, not just the shareholders. And that is new thinking as of about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is very interesting. I'm glad that you took the time to share with us this type of document that we may not come across on our own. So thank you for that. My pleasure, my pleasure. The, the rising tide raises all ships. So, yeah. you know, I always feel that that's my role, you know, is to, to, to whatever I learn to, you know, share it out so we can all have, you know, safer, healthier work, workplaces for, for all people in the world. So thank you, Kathy, for joining me. We are at the end of this session for this episode, but we are doing a series. And so tune in to to join us for the next uh, session that we'll be talking about what is the role of the health and safety professional in ESG. Um, And so, but before we go today, Kathy, is there anything else that you wanted to leave our audience with? Yes, I want you to be curious. Find out about your company. Go now that you've learned what that what ESG is and why it's important. Go find out your company, or if you're a consultant, or if you're in in any kind of uh, capacity where you're actually working with companies, find out where that company is on ESG. And so, go to their annual report. Go to their um, if they uh, have a sustainability report or a social corporate social responsibility report. Go to it. Find out. Just Google the company and ESG, and you're going to get a lot of information. You will mine out information about your company that will help you in our next um, episode when we talk about your role as a safety and health professional. Well, thank you, Kathy, for joining us today. I'm looking forward to our next discussion on this uh, topic for this series. Thank you again. Thanks, Tamara.